0: RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. This episode is all about macros for midlife. How much protein, fat, and carbohydrate do we need, and why does it change as we get older? Welcome to the Healthy Woman Healthy Runner mini-series. Please join Aileen Smith and Karen Campbell, nutritionist friends and runners. During the mini series, we'll be spotlighting key challenges women face as they approach midlife. Women tell us that they're really uncomfortable with the way their body shape is changing and are noticing how their energy levels and running performance is suffering too. So it's our mission to help women be in great shape bypass midlife health challenges and continue to enjoy their running. So we've designed our healthy woman, healthy runner method, and that's for the woman who requires the most time efficient and easy method to be the best she can be. During each mini episode, we'll be helping you take some easy action. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Aileen and Karen to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runner's Health Hub. Hi everybody welcome back I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen and today we're going to be giving you a snapshot of the energy needs of a midlife runner which is something that we look at in eating for running results which is part of the healthy woman healthy runner method Uh, we'd love it if you could listen to the end of the episode because we've got a special invitation for you to join our next free healthy woman healthy runner training Um, so I'm not going to introduce Karen just yet because we're, we're a bit short of time today. So we thought that we'll we'll save the chit chat <laughs> to yes. the end. Um, but basically what we're going to talk about is that our energy needs uh, really change as we approach midlife and they change for several reasons. So today we're going to highlight uh, three of those reasons. So we're going to look at two of the key physiological changes that would affect a runner's energy and macronutrient needs, uh, which are particularly important. Uh, We're also going to look at what impact these changes would have on us as female runners. And then finally, what are the energy needs and the macronutrient requirements of the midlife female runner? Because I think that's a a question that hangs in the air with a lot of people who want to know what macronutrients they should eat and how much. So Karen, let's get started. So um, what we're really saying here is there's many physiological changes that affect a runner in midlife. Um, But what are the, the two key changes that we're going to explore today?
1: Yes, I think you're absolutely right, Aileen. There are many physiological changes occurring at this time of life. And, and what I would say here is that they are natural changes that will occur for everyone. But it's the extent and the speed and potentially the severity of the changes that will differ between individuals. And I think lifestyle has a big part to play in that. So the two that we will explore um, today, the two changes that we'll explore are the loss of lean body mass. Now that will include muscle and bone. Those are the areas that we're going to discuss, but also increased fat mass, which is is thought to occur during our 50s and 60s. But then interestingly, it does then um, reduce from 70s onwards. Yeah, I think that's something that
0: everybody can identify with because we've probably all got older relatives that we notice how their body composition changes. So yeah, it's interesting to think about that. So let's talk about each of those, Karen, uh, starting with the, the loss of lean body mass. What can you tell us about that?
1: Yes, now this is actually something we discussed, Aileen, in episode 22 when talking about um, fueling the aging runner. But um, what I would just like to highlight here is that the loss of the free fat mass is inevitable, especially muscle mass. You know, it will occur despite doing the strength training that's always encouraged and also having a really good diet. But these two factors, so the exercise, and the diet could could determine really the rate and the severity of the deterioration. So, and this is where the healthy woman healthy runner method kind of steps in. Because in this program, we're really sort of focusing on the diet and how to optimize the diet alongside um running training to really help slow down these natural physiological changes of aging. So um, So that's our approach to this within the Healthy Women, Healthy Runner method. But just thinking about the bone mass for a minute, you know, we know that bone mineral density reaches its peak roughly between the ages of 25 and 30 years old. And um, we then begin to lose it again from around the age of Forty-five years old for women, and around fifty years old for men. Now, now women' um, bone mineral density reduces roughly by one percent per year, and for men, it's only about not point three percent per year, and and. You know, most of us are aware that oestrogen is protect, protective to bone. So the perimenopause and menopause could be the principal reason um, for the increased loss per year for women um, compared to men. Yeah,
0: it's quite um sobering thought really, isn't it, Karen? Yeah. Um, yeah. But for those who are listening who are between the ages of 30 and 45, you know, it's, it's really important that you grab the opportunity now to begin to invest in your bone health and doing that now will help limit and slow the rate of bone loss as you, you know, move towards midlife. And we, as you said earlier, Karen, we do discuss this in a lot of detail in two episodes, um, episode 21 and 24, because there was such a lot of information to share with everybody about bone health. We, we actually did two episodes on it. Um, And if you want to be ahead of the game and start protecting your bones now, then I'd really recommend that you go back and and listen to those episodes.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good recommendation, Aileen. But I think also it's important for everybody to remember that it's never too late to start either. So if you are already in midlife, just making some changes to your lifestyle may also help to sort of slow the deterioration of the bone mass um, as you move into older age. And um, and I think most of us um, will know that physical activity, especially the load bearing exercise, is an excellent way of supporting bone mass in older age um, and beyond. So so really, just by being runners, we're already sort of trying to take care of our bones, which is really positive and um and it it is thought that the weight bearing exercise supports the bone mass more than it does the muscle mass so it's more the strength training that is is going to support the muscle mass um but it's the it's the weight bearing exercise to support um bone health so so really i think what this suggests is that as we get older It may be that we need to consider changing the the, the way we exercise and our exercise plans so that it does start to include a combination of both the running and the strength training to support these physiological um, changes more optimally. So, So maybe this is something for us all to kind of ponder as we move on.
0: Yeah. And I I totally agree, Karen. Uh, And You know, really, it's important to emphasize that bone health is important at all ages. So, you know, the younger you start looking after your bones, the better. Um, But as you say, it's never too late to make a difference. So you might not even be improving, but you can stop or or reduce the bone loss um, as it as you get older. So um, it's important that we also consider muscle mass and think about the age and effects um, of that. Um, so like bone mass, loss of muscle mass um, known as sarcopenia uh, begins in midlife at a loss of approximately three percent which is quite significant. So um, you know that's that's quite a high amount, and and I was reading uh, a review paper recently that suggests that it's more like one uh, percent in midlife, moving up to three percent in our seventies, and then as much as fifty percent in our eighties and nineties, which is, is quite shocking. But again, as I said earlier, you know we've probably all seen that happen to our elderly relatives, and. um you know, it's it is a sort of part of the aging process, but while we're in midlife we really want to um, manage our, our muscle our muscle mass the best we can.
1: Exactly. It's it's about sort of um, slowing d- down that process as we as we age, but like you say, Lena, sort of you're jumping from lof- roughly three percent up to fifty percent. It's a huge it's a huge shift. So yeah, the more we can do now to support ourselves, the better. And um, and I also read that about sort of it's it's more like one percent in midlife and then moving up to the three percent um, um, as as we age and then the fifty percent. And I was also reading another article that stated that really from around the age of 30 we begin to lose muscle mass um, at a rate of 3% but 3% per decade so over that 10-year period and it doesn't sound too much really but, but I think for people who are inactive um therefore, not sort of doing anything to support the slowing of the rate of deterioration that they are potentially, they've, by the time they reach 50, they've potentially lost about six to eight percent of muscle mass. And then when you, when you think how that then, um, deteriorates as you age again, that the, the deterioration could be so much quicker um, and and so much more. And I think that this could also lead to an increased risk of falling and injury and potentially some chronic conditions as well such as as arthritis which clearly linked to to muscle but also the the other soft tissues. So so I think this shows the importance of maintaining an, an active life with regular structured physical activity, especially the resistance training which is well known for the for the muscle building um, into the midlife, into our midlife, but also beyond that. But I think it's also important just to remember, like I said earlier, that physical activity will help to slow the decline in lean muscle, but it can't prevent it. And this deterioration um, is thought to be due um, to to various factors, including sort of a decrease in whole body protein turnover, so a reduction in old proteins being replaced by new proteins, which results in an increase in the amount of of damaged protein that's actually circulating in the body. And another thought is that... um, the deterioration may be due to a decrease in, in protein synthesis. So the production of, of proteins, so there's less proteins being produced overall. So those are just two ideas. I think there are various ideas, but that's two that I picked up on.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I was just reflecting there, Karen, on, on mm. myself really. And I was thinking, actually, I probably in my midlife was able to build more muscle than I had when I was younger because I wasn't exercising when I was younger. So mm. although it gets more difficult, it still can be done. So I think it's something that we all have to just really take account of and, and work at. Um, So that's that's really interesting hearing about all of that, Karen. Mm. So shall we we move on and consider the effects of aging on fat mass? Mm. So, I mean, as as we said at the beginning, uh, fat mass is thought to increase in our 50s and 60s again. It's probably something we all sort of recognize. You know, we all talk about, you know, gaining weight around the middle and, and, you know, not being as lean as we were. Um, And that happens in, in midlife. And then, as you said earlier, that we tend to, Uh, it starts to reduce as we get into our 70s. So is there anything that you can enlighten us about fat mass in midlife, Karen?
1: Yes, it is interesting, Aileen, because it, 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 um, and I did find this interesting, is the fact that um, changes are thought to be similar in both males and females. Now, this article I was reading was sort of um, looking at endurance runners, but it was interesting that it was, it's um, thought to be similar in both males and and females, especially because there are there are the hormone changes occurring for women in midlife and the and that low estrogen status um thereafter so um it's always thought that we gain more weight. And I think overall, when we generalise, I think women do tend to put on more weight. But but clearly, exercise does have an impact on that, going by what the article was saying. Um, And I think overall, fat gain is thought to be less in runners, which is is great um, for us again and and also other active people generally than in the general general public. So again, just keeping up your running is really helping sort of slow down that ageing process in many different ways. And then just going back and thinking about the hormonal changes um, for the midlife female runner, and um, this is thought to be the really the principal driver of the weight gain during that life stage which is what i was saying and and again it's something we do discuss in many episodes actually um where we delve into hormonal health and menopause. And two that spring to mind are episode thirty-three, the Food for Hormonal Balance and Running episode, and then episode 47, where we're discussing perimenopause and performance. So so I would really recommend that you maybe go back and listen to those and see and see um sort of how Hormones change can influence um, our our health, our running, and then what you can do to support um, support yourself through diet. Um, And this is also an area we delve into in detail in that hormone reset part of the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method. So, really worth considering joining this program. I think when when it is launched. Great. So just to
0: have a quick summary before we move on. So, so far, we've outlined the physiological changes of ageing on bone, muscle and fat mass and and how potentially exercise and diet could help slow down and reduce the severity of these changes. Um, However, we've got to remember that we can't prevent these changes occurring. They are a natural part of the ageing process, but we can influence the slowing down, which I think is is the key thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so Karen moving on um what what's the impact of all these changes going to be on us as a a female midlife runner moving into being eventually an older an older runner
1: yeah, I do think that the impact could potentially be far reaching if not addressed and, and supported, actually, Aileen. And when I think about um, bone mass, um, as as it reduces, it, it clearly increases our risk of developing stress fractures. So thinking of us as runners, um, and, and we know that we're susceptible to stress fractures anyway, if we sort of, End up moving into overreaching and overtraining. So my advice would be to be really mindful of how much training you're completing. Also thinking about your fueling and are you fueling sufficiently so that you help reduce the the risk of um, of getting the the stress fractures. And also how much stress are you currently experiencing, whether it be um, linked to your training or other stresses in your life because all of these factors could contribute to you potentially moving into that overreaching and overtraining syndrome which again will increase the risk of stress fracture as well as that um, natural decline in bone mineral density as you move into midlife and older age And, and I think by addressing these factors, you are helping reduce the risk of fractures now, but also in the future. And then also, I think that another impact is the increased risk of um, developing osteopenia and osteoporosis. And they are more prevalent in women as the age. age. And again, that's due to the reduction in estrogen levels. Um, and, And again, this can put you at increased risk of fracture. So I think as a runner, it means being much more mindful of maybe where you run and how much you run. And when I think about um, where you run, I'm thinking about the trail running, the fell running, the mountain running, um, because I suppose the terrain in, the, in this type of running is much more uncertain and unstable. So could lead to, to falls, therefore potentially fracture if you are on that cusp of osteopenia or um, osteoporosis. So really something to, to consider. Okay. So let's
0: um, think about the next thing. So let's think about the impact of reduced muscle mass for the female runner. So so what's springing to mind for me is that, um, you know, naturally this is going to lead to a reduction in muscle strength. Um, so that may impact on the type of running that could be achieved, um, you know, for how long an individual could run um, or, you know, the the type of running that they're doing. So I'm thinking particularly of technical running. So it might affect your ability to do things like hill drills, tempo running, um, interval training. Um, And also, you know, thinking about how much weight can be lifted during strength training too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is all really um relevant and and the reduction in muscle strength also means there is um potentially an increased risk of injury when completing the different technical type style runs that you've just um you've just mentioned. And I have to say I can attest to that. I find that I get injured much more easily these days and And it takes so much longer to recover from them. And so I think including more strength training um, in my programme does seem to help. Um, But I do find that if if I have a break from strength training for whatever reason, when I return to it, the weights that I'm able to lift are greatly reduced and I've kind of got to build back up again. And I think... At the moment, being in lockdown, so not having the access, the access to the gyms, is really exacerbating that for me. So I have to be really careful when I go out running, just to try and minimise the risk of of any injury or sprains, um, to, mm-hmm. because um, I, I don't want to get back into an injured, an injured place. And and I think reduced muscle mass and muscle strength can also lead. Um, to a, a, an overall increase in general soft tissue aches and pains and, and also to DOMS as well, and, and, and it taking longer to recover from DOMS. And that can really make training quite difficult. I don't mm-hmm. know if you can attest to any of this as well, Aileen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're making a really great case here for strength training, Karen, you know, and I, I totally am with you. You know, my overriding um, thought for any anything that I do is I don't want to get injured uh, because it's just so awful to recover from um so yeah I'm, I'm with you on on all of that and I think it's it's something that we all need to address and while you're saying it I'm thinking yeah when I'm you know in another another few weeks when we are able to go back to the gym um you know, there's, there's work to be done. There's <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely work to be done. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's have a look at the impact of the, of the increased fat mass for a female runner, um, which, you know, we probably all think more about fat mass than we do about muscle mass. So, mm-hmm. um, although, you know, they're obviously very closely linked. Um, so I definitely think, you know, when, when you start experiencing, you know, that, that added fat to the body, um, it, it can lead to a, a lack of motivation for running because it, it almost can feel like all your hard work and trying to stay fit and healthy has been in vain, and it, it can be really frustrating. And, uh, and you know, we've talked about this so much, t- so many times before, Karen. It's something that sort of creeps on, and then yeah. suddenly, think people think, "What's happening?" You don't notice it straight away, um, and I know that this has led to both of us talking about losing our mojo at times. So we can really empathise with with anybody feeling that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think during the first lockdown, I've spoken about this before, I think. um, I think it was a case in point for me. I gained some weight at that time and it really met, made me feel sluggish. And I found that I had reduced energy when I, I went out to do my runs and my runs were much slower. And I just kind of was losing my mojo for it because it all felt quite um, quite depressing. And also, I think I find it harder, much harder and took much longer to lose the weight again. I think I've lost some of it. I could still be doing with it losing a little bit more, um, which again, it can be really demotivating when um, you're doing your best to try and reduce the weight, but it's just not coming off w- uh, what we think is quick enough. Um, And I think this is probably principally due to the fact that metabolism naturally slows as we age as well. And I think we have to to bear this in mind and be realistic about our goals, because there are these natural physiological changes going on.
0: Yeah, you know, and I, I talk about this a lot, but I think once you get into midlife, you really have to not just look at the the. Weight, you've got to really focus on body composition because I know I'm somebody that the, the scales don't don't change in the right way for me. Um, so I, I use my tape measure and and then I'll look at my. Um, you know fat ratings to see what what the difference is and how my body shape is changing because sometimes the weight doesn't actually change and it's it's better to feel that you're stronger and that you're losing fat in the right way so don't just you know if you're one of those people that are just looking at the the kilograms or the stones it's not a very positive thing to do no. um, so okay so we just to sort of round up that section Karen we've talked about these natural physiological changes and how they impact on our running uh which is it can be quite sobering thinking about that i think um but particularly thinking about there's an increase of risk of injury and fracture uh all the way to energy changes feeling sluggish feeling a bit heavier um low energy and, and demotivated which as i said you know can feel a bit negative but i don't think it has to be i think it's all about adjusting our lifestyles and our nutrition to help us age gracefully and i know a lot of women will be listening to me they'll be thinking well hell i'm only 45 i'm not aging yet and i I don't mean to say that we're all older but you know we want to transition through this this um phase of life um, as gracefully as we can so that we can continue to enjoy our running and um, and thinking about nutrition our energy requirements and energy intake as we age are important too and that will help us minimize all these risk factors that we've discussed so when we talk about energy intake um, really what we're focusing on here are, are the macronutrients the protein fat and carbohydrates so Karen, what should we be focusing on um, during our midlife?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing um, I think to say is that although overall our energy needs will probably be lower. uh, the energy needs for the aging runner will still be greater than um, that of our more sed- sedentary counterparts. So I think that's quite good to know that we do actually still need uh, more energy intake than um, th- than somebody who's not doing any um, any exercise at all. But thinking about the midlife running runner and our needs, um, they may be reduced for many reasons, like I said, and that includes potential. Essentially the decreased training loads um, for for various reasons, and and some of the reasons we discussed earlier, and also that decrease overall in body mass. So there's less requiring, so so the body is requiring less fuel in a way, and also the decreased muscle glycogen storage capacity this is another area apparently that that naturally reduces with age is this capacity to store glycogen but on saying that it is thought that um regular endurance training so endurance running is thought to help maintain that capacity so again continuing with a um, running and and uh, sort of the, the longer running is going to really help with that. And also, like I mentioned earlier, there is the reduced um, met- metabolism. So the reduced, reduced metabolic rate, and that's going to have an impact on, on our energy intake and our energy needs.
0: OK, so when we're thinking about our individual uh, macronutrients, um, is there anything you can tell us regarding our, inqui- our requirement for carbohydrate for the um, runner who's in midlife and, and older
1: yeah well, actually interestingly in a, in a textbook I was reading recently, it did suggest that um carbohydrate needs for training and recovery are similar in older athletes as they are for younger ones. Now this is thought to be because um the absorption and utilization of carbohydrate is actually unaffected by age, but that's as long as there aren't there isn't any sign of disease or dysfunction present. And I think I understand what they're saying here, but I I personally feel that there are other factors that need to be taken into consideration regarding this. For example, that reduced metabolic rate that we just um, spoke about. So less energy required for all the bodily processes and that natural decline in the way. We did digest carbohydrates and that potential for weight gain. So we would need to be considering how much carbohydrate we're taking on board for those reasons.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. So how much um, carbohydrate do you think would actually be required for the, the midlife runner?
1: Well, clearly this, this would be really individual and um, and I think the personalized approach is is always important and certainly is what we focus on in the healthy women healthy runner method but but looking at it from a more general point of view for today. It it really depends on the symptoms um, an individual um, is experiencing. So, if a runner is finding that they're not gaining any weight and they're feeling strong and energized when running with with little injuries or niggles, then I would say carry on, continue with the w- with what you're doing. Um, you're doing great. So your needs are going to be similar. But I would say if you're noticing. Some of the symptoms that we've already mentioned, and um, especially the weight gain, then it may be that that um, less carbohydrate overall is required. So maybe ways that you could look at that and adapting the carbohydrate intake is is, is sort of thinking about. Um, looking at your current plate balance and maybe uh, adapting that do could you just sort of reduce the amount of carbohydrates that you are actually having on your plate do you, do you do you find that your carbohydrate intake is is more than quarter of the plate on a regular basis and i and i think if the answer to that question is yes then maybe thinking about reducing it down to a quarter of of a plate and adding more vegetables is going to support um, that that weight loss um, and that reduction in fat and hopefully increase in in muscle mass as well. But remember, you you might need to increase this amount. If you're doing a long run, so it's really sort of playing with the carbohydrate intake. So on a daily basis, having it as quarter of a plate. But if you're doing a really long run, you may need to uh, increase that um, to sort of three quarters of the half a plate. Um, And then maybe thinking about reducing the amount of quick release snacks that you're having, um, even pre, during and post training, I would say um, not to remove them because you'll still need them for fueling, but maybe for certain individuals, just reducing the amount that they have will be supportive. And maybe also thinking about replacing the quick release carbohydrate snacks with more complex carbs so the slow release carbs, the high fiber cho- choices. Um, but just be mindful of the amount of fiber contained in the foods that you're um that you're choosing so that you're not exacerbating any flatulence or causing any abdominal discomfort and and also if you do make these changes i would say really observe for um your energy levels and just check to ensure that they're not dropping as a result of sh- changing the way that you're utilizing carbs and uh, especially during training so really observe for that and then readjust again if you're finding that you're that your energy is is dipping um, and maybe another approach to sort of supporting that decrease in in carbohydrate intake overall is it's just maybe removing one snack from your daily routine this is your everyday routine just removing one snack and this may be all it takes to support some fat loss so those would be my my tips really Aileen
0: yeah that no that's really great Karen I think there's some uh, good good suggestions there of how people can just um adapt or reduce their carbohydrate intake if that's what is required for them personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's move on and think about fat intake. So um like carbohydrates um Older individuals seem to retain the capacity to absorb and utilize fat. Um, So a moderate fat intake is recommended. Uh, But again, as we mentioned uh, for carbohydrate, that there is some gastric deterioration as we age. And obviously that is different for everybody, but we're gradually on the decline. And that may limit the capacity to digest the fat. So it's important not to overeat them. Um, And also thinking about the recommended Fat intake—that's similar to that of younger individuals. So ensuring um, that you, you know, take a sensible approach. So saturated fat intake is minimal. So that's the type of fats from um, animal fats predominantly, and hydrogenated fat is again it's negligible. So that's the type of fat that you would get in processed foods, particularly. Um, so you should be aiming for your overall fat intake to be approximately twenty percent of your. Your calorie intake, your macronutrient intake, but try to make that mostly up of essential omega three and omega six fats. Um, so this this can be challenging. I know it can be. Um, you know, even healthy fats uh, are very dense uh, calorifically. Um, mm. So you know, it's easy to overeat them um, because they're you know they're nice, tasty foods. Things like salmon and um, you know all the oils that we've talked about. You know people enjoy them. Um, so yeah, just just um, be mindful that you need them, but you've got to moderate your intake.
1: Yeah, and it is interesting, Aileen, because um it it has been found that we as we get older we do tend to choose higher fat foods and maybe it is because you know you're saying they're tasty, they're they're healthy, that and, and and the majority of them are really good for us. And um, so so maybe that's part of the reason why people are, are choosing these higher fat foods. But so so I think that just shows that it is important to monitor fat intake. And I know that I have to monitor my intake um and i've really got to think about it because a lot of the foods that i eat are high in fat you know mainly good fats but still really um high in fat and at the end of the day if if we overeat fat it will be converted to body fat so um so, so it is about managing it monitoring it and adjusting it again a bit like the carbs if um if necessary, and again, a low lower fat um, intake is generally better for endurance running anyway. So, and this is to to really to ensure that the energy um, is derived predominantly from um, that efficient conversion of carbohydrate, because the fat is so much slower to convert into energy. So, we want to sort of keep the carbs at a, an appropriate level and not too many fats because um, because that's not thought to enhance performance. So, so something, again, um, for a runner, especially an endurance runner, to bear in mind. Yeah, and I'd just like to sort of underline the point when we say
0: lower fat intake. We're not talking about eating low-fat foods, as in foods that have been... Um, created by a manufacturer to be low fat they're not good foods. so we're just talking about eating natural foods um, but a lower amount of them uh, so you get all the benefits of them um, and none of the disadvantages you get from processed foods um mm-hmm. and also we have to consider that we do need sufficient fat consumption uh for the uptake of um fat soluble vitamins so vitamins a d e and k Uh, so it's really important that we include fat in our diet so that we um we're able to um absorb and assimilate these these vitamins okay karen so let's move on to protein um so um again this is a burning question that we get asked all the
1: time uh so how much protein is required for a midlife runner yes it is a question that we get asked a lot and um it is it is suggested that the the protein needs of people over 50 is actually 25% higher than yo- younger adults to maintain that protein balance so it's quite significantly higher so i think everybody you know bear that in mind that what what your protein intake was before it might need to be sort of increased Fairly significantly, and the key reasons for increasing protein intake as we age is really to try and and slow that natural decline of muscle mass by providing the raw building blocks of muscle, so those amino acids derived from protein, to support the muscle synthesis and also to maintain that muscle strength that we were discussing way back in the beginning.
0: Great, alas, something that we could, we need more of. <laughs> That's nice to hear. Um, So, how much protein is recommended for the older runner?
1: Well, um, as we've spoken about many times in the past, and and probably most people will know, is that the government recommended daily intake is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. And I think this is a good way of keeping it quite personalised to the individual. So, um, it's a good way of working out what your needs are, but for optimal intake for runners and other athletes between 1.2 and 1.7 grams per kilograms per day is recommended now this range is thought of as an optimal amount to support that the the increased demands of sort of the muscle repair the muscle remodeling and adaptations of individuals engaging in exercise training So for the the ageing runner, a similar approach would be recommended, but but again, would vary depending on the demands of their training. And I think that's what's really good about working out protein in this way is that it is keeping it individual um, for, well, again, you would need to consider what the demands of your training are, but on an overall everyday basis on protein intake, it's quite personalised. Okay, so
0: that's, um, that gives everybody sort of a gauge to work on. But how would that look on the plate, Karen?
1: Yeah, so thinking about it on the plate, I would really suggest that maybe again, a bit like carbohydrates, that at least a quarter of the plate is filled with a good quality protein source and maybe a bit more than a quarter of a plate. Um, if say you're maybe experiencing any niggles like the, the persistent DOMS or you're maybe getting um, injured uh, quite frequently. And and you know if you're increasing your your protein intake you could either think about reducing your carbohydrate intake to slightly less than a quarter of a plate to accommodate that increase in protein um which would work again if if fat loss is the goal um or maybe It's about reducing the vegetable intake to slightly less than half a plate. Um, And again, I I think really your training load is going to determine how the macronutrient proportions are going to look on your plate because it could be that you still need the carbohydrates. So if you're increasing your protein, you need to reduce the the, uh, amount of vegetables on your plate rather than removing some of the carbohydrate.
0: Yeah, and I think one of my tips, Karen, would be I always say to people, make sure you've got protein at every single meal because sometimes people fall into the trap of not, you know, so you don't have pasta and tomato sauce on its own. You have to have some protein with it. And and also when it comes to snacks, just always add in a little bit of protein um, on a day-to-day basis and that's going to incrementally get you to your protein goal. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that is what is recommended is that you split your protein intake throughout the day rather than having a huge amount of protein at one serving and then forgetting about it um, for the rest of the day because it's that constant and um, sort of spaced out intake of protein that's supposed to support um, muscle protein synthesis more efficiently.
0: So it's a really good to raise. Excellent. Okay. So um, we're sort of coming towards the, the end of the episode now, but just from what we've discussed there, it would appear that in theory, uh, the body can absorb and utilize macronutrients just as well in older people as younger people. But it's important to consider the factors that may lead leaders lead to need either an increase or a decrease in certain macronutrients. And also that all of these factors are very individual depending on on your body weight, and also the amount of training that you're doing. So, so that brings us uh, to rounding everything up, Karen. So could you give us uh, your key takeaways
1: from this episode before we close today? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So my key takeaways would be that to remember that the aging process is inevitable, but diet and exercise are key lifestyle factors that could help slow down the physiological changes associated with it. And as we get older, it is worth considering our exercise regime so that it incorporates both the strength and the aerobic exercise to support um, the bone and muscle mass. Remember, we lose approximately 1% of bone mass per year and 1% to 3% of muscle mass from midlife onwards. Um, Some weight gain is inevitable as we age due to the hormonal changes. However, the degree of weight gain is within our control. Um, As we lose muscle and bone mass, we do become more susceptible to injury and health conditions, including osteopenia and osteoporosis that we mentioned earlier. So being mindful of where we run to help prevent any falls occurring may limit our exposure to to fractures, but also to muscle and other soft tissue injury as well. And as we age, our energy needs reduce, so it is important to adjust our macronutrient intake accordingly to help minimize the weight gain, um, especially considering adjusting your carbohydrate and your fat intake to support that. Remember, we require up to 25% more protein to support the muscle building and the muscle strength. And then finally, I would say that as we advance in years, we can do so healthfully, healthfully and gracefully, as you were saying, Aileen, if we are willing to make some tweaks to our lifestyle. So So that really we can continue to enjoy our running from midlife into old age. And I think that the Healthy Women, Healthy Runner method can provide the platform in which you can begin your journey. And I think a great way to start would be um, to join us on our next free online Healthy Women, Healthy Runner training, which we've got planned now for the 29th of April. Um, and all you would need to do is look at the top of the show notes to find the booking link um, and just register from there. But if you are listening to this after the end of ep- April, then do check the link anyway, because we do update it and it'll give you um, details of the, the next training date there. So that that would be it, Aileen. Brilliant. That's really
0: fascinating and lots of... Uh... I think quite helpful advice for everybody so and thanks for ending on a, on a positive note that you know we can gracefully move through midlife and be a healthy older runner um, for as long as we want to so that's really great news and uh, just to finally as ever remember everyone don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Thank you so much for joining us today and we really hope that you found our insights useful. We've got a question for you. Would you like to know how to put our advice into practice and how to take some easy actions? If your answer is yes, then please don't miss the opportunity to sign up for our next free online training session. It's going to be on Zoom and we'll be there to share more steps in the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method with you. And most important of all, we'll be there in person. So we'll be able to answer any of your questions on the spot during the training. Karen and I absolutely love podcasting, but we love interacting with you even more. So we can't wait to meet you in our Zoom room. If you'd like to register, it's very easy. All you need to do is look out at the episode show notes, uh, look at the top of the page and click the booking link there and we'll send all the details to you. So if you'd like to be a healthy woman, healthy runner for many years to come, please come and join us and don't miss out on our next free training.